So we'll talk a little bit about everything's about growth, right? Everybody is about growth, 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 growth. And there is some thought that we need to stop it. I don't believe you can actually stop growth because people want to live here. So what is your thoughts on the growth and the management of the growth of this county? Yeah, so, you know, I would say that there's 100 counties in the state and probably 90 of those counties would love to have the problems that Johnson County has. Absolutely. And you're correct, you can't stop their growth, but you know, you want more balanced growth. And what I mean by that is, you know, that the land use plan that was written, it's a good plan. And some of the ideas in there are great ideas as far as lot size and open space and some of those things. But in essence, we're not gonna stop growing. You know, the secret's out. This is a great county to live in. I've been here all my life. And, you know, I was here when it won't many people here, but then the secret got out and you know, they're still going to come because they want a great place to live. This is a great place to live. Welcome to another episode of Best of Johnston County, brought to you by Breeden Law Office. Our host, Jonathan Breeden, an experienced family lawyer with a deep connection to the community, is ready to take you on a journey through the area that he has called home for over 20 years. Whether it's a deep dive into the love locals have for the county or unraveling the complexities of family law, Best of Johnston County presents an authentic slice of this unique community. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Best of Johnson County podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Breeden, and today we have a guest with us, Tim Little, and he is a candidate for the Johnson County Commissioners in the Republican primary on March 5th. So he'll be on your ballot. He is running for what is an open seat that is currently held by County Commissioner Tony Braswell, who has decided not to run for re-election and as citizens of this county owe Tony Braswell a, a tremendous debt of gratitude. He did a great job for a long time, really great job, and he's going to be greatly missed for all the things that Tony Braswell did for this county. And he's not moving away. He's just not going to be a county commissioner anymore. So there's going to be a primary, and it's between, and there's no Democrat, so it's going to be between Tim Little and Bill Stovall. And we have a, a podcast with Bill Stovall as well. It'll be coming out, I think, the week after this one. So you want to listen to that. So you can listen to both candidates as to what they want to do for Johnston County. So welcome, Tim. Thank you, sir. Hey, no problem. So just tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, where you grew up. So born and raised in Johnston County, you can probably tell by the way I talk. <laughs> uh, that's not a big secret. Uh, I grew up in Kenley, lived in Kenley all my life until I went to NC State. Got a civil engineering degree there. Went to work with my residence was in Kenley. I got married in 1994 and worked with DOT in Johnson County. That was one of my first jobs as a maintenance engineer for NCDOT. And then that was about three years. And then that was that beginning, 98, I think. And then 11 years, I was district engineer for Wayne and Johnson. After that, I went to the Division Four office, which oversees Wayne and Johnson and four other counties, and was division engineer. For about three years and then i was my last stop was chief engineer over dot operations across the state for three years and retired in 2020. i tell you what you want to talk about a thankless job yeah. I, there is no more thankless job that you can't do right than the division engineer i, I agree and, <laughs> and right or wrong you know you're going to take blame a lot of people would say when i became chief engineer that was a great thing i said no it went from being blamed from six counties to 100 counties. 100 counties, no doubt. You know, having gone to NC State, several of my very best friends from NC State are engineers. They worked for DOT for a long time. And listening to their stories, 
about you did what to my driveway, right. you know, and oh my goodness. I mean, you can't win for losing in, yeah. in anything with the DOT. But it, it was an enjoyable job because you get to meet so many people and, and you do a lot of good. It's just, you see it after the fact. <laughs> but I moved to, when I got divorced in 2014, moved to Pine Level and that's how I ended up in this district that I'm in now. And went to work with a private engineering firm after I got out of DOT and still working there. And also while I was in Killing, I was a firefighter there for 28 years and retired in 2021 from the fire department. Oh man. Okay. That's a lot. Well, and you know, I personally think the North Carolina Department of Transportation is the best department in America. I have traveled all over this country. I think we have the best roads in America that I have been on. And I think they have done a tremendous job dealing with the growth that has come to this state. This has been an unbelievable amount of growth in a very short period of time. And we don't really have mass transit here. Now that's a debate for another day yeah. and another podcast, <laughs> but I personally think they've done an excellent job despite what other people think. Well, you go from, I think, ninth most populous state in the union to eighth in a very short period of time. In the next 10 to 15 years, it'll probably be seventh. And there has been a lot of growth across the state. And I like, you know, just great folks that work at NCDOT every day that make sure that everybody can get to where they're from and all the goods and services can go where they need to be. And also when it snows and, and you have any event that the bait the skies and, and girls are out there doing their job, making sure everybody can get there safely. Well, and, and I think a lot of people don't realize about the Department of Transportation, it includes all transportation. It's not just roads. Airports, ferry system, multimodal, which is part of the train system. So there's several different aspects of DOT. It's a very complex department if you get down to it. No, I mean, it, it really is. And, you know, the, the funding largely through the gas tax, but that's not something you can always count on is you know, where people buy gas and electric cars and that kind of stuff. And the state's trying to figure out a way to make sure that the DOT has the funding it needs. I know that the state has been trying to raise state employee pay and they did a big pay raise for uh, DOT employees four or five years ago, maybe by accident, the size of the pay raise, depending on who you ask. The legislature and the DOT, I think, had a disagreement. But once the people were given the money, you couldn't go take it back from right. them because they had spent it. That's a debate for another day as well. But anyway, yeah. So what did you learn in all those years working with the DOT that you believe makes you a good candidate to be a county commissioner now in this fast growing county? Well, I think that's several facets of that. Obviously, from the infrastructure side, being roads, bridges, utilities, you know, I have a diverse background in that. And that was, still is my career, was my career. And I hope to leverage some of those relationships and some of that knowledge to help growing areas of the county get some projects that maybe we wouldn't get either way because the, the scoring system is a very complex, you know, system that you come up with, you know, how they fund certain projects. And MPOs and RPOs do a great job, but there are some nuances that I think I could help with in that sense. Also, when I worked as a maintenance engineer and also being a firefighter in Kenley and not know a bunch of firefighters around the county, I've met a lot of folks that, that were born here, a lot of folks that moved here. And it's a very diverse county, and you know that's a good thing. The diversity has helped, you know, small businesses take off. It's helped people that were born and raised here help their small business, help them be very, you know, successful in what they do. And also, you know, there's a rural part of the county that you know I love too. 
go and, and kill in pine level. I mean, if I go to grocery store, I probably will run into several people I know there. And that, that's the hometown part, the hometown feel of what I love working here. But that background with the infrastructure and, and the firefighter side and just having a knowledge of the county and having a knowledge of, of a lot of the folks in the county and having to work with county government when I was with DOT and also working with the commissioners when I was with the department. I think that will be a plus. Well, cool. And I know you were a firefighter. And one of the things that's already been decided, so this will not be something that your board will decide if you get elected, is we're going to go to a single fire tax district. Can you explain to the listeners what that is and how that maybe affects them or doesn't affect them? Yeah. But a couple of things there is if after I get through my explanation, if you want some more information, the county's having, I think, five sessions across the county that you know, county staff is going to be there to talk about it. But the great thing about the fire tax, it does create one fire tax for the county. But what it does, it for in my opinion, it helps some of the smaller departments that didn't, you know, maybe they don't have the call volume that a lot of, but there's a lot of things they have to do. It's the same as a large department, you know, a Bentonville, Strickland's Crossroads, Kenley, whatever. You know, they're met to the same standard as the larger ones, the Clevelands and the Claytons and the Smithfields. And hopefully that fire tax ensures that some of that is taken in, you know, to consideration and that if me or you have an accident, it don't matter where we're at in the county, we'll get the same service. I understand that. And for, I guess, people listening don't understand, right now, each individual fire district, and I think there are 32 in Johnston County, has its own separate tax rate approved by the county commissioners, which is on your property tax bill. And instead of having... 32 different tax rates, there's going to be a single tax rate and the money is going to be shared across all the departments and not kept individually by the department. Correct. And but there's going to be a, a matrix that determines, you know, if you are classified in a certain maybe heavy rescue, you get X amount. If uh, you run first responder calls, that's another cause. Each one of those are taxes. I mean, ta- they're, they're taxing on the fire department as far as their resources go. Right. Well, and it won't be long before the Cleveland... Station 3 opens up on Cornwalls Road at 42. It was very important for the Cleveland Fire Department and Chris Ellington to be able to get a station on that side of I-40 to make it that much quicker to get to accidents on 40 and to serve the citizens there on Cornwallis going back towards Wake County in a quick manner. And so the Cleveland community, we're excited to have that new station that is supported by the Macklemore Fire Tax. And it's going to you know, be staffed I believe 24-7, like the other two stations that Cleveland has as well. So we'll talk a little bit about everything about growth, right? Everybody is about growth, 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 growth. And there is some thought that we need to stop it. I don't believe you can actually stop growth because people want to live here. So what is your thoughts on the growth and the management of the growth of this county? Yeah, so, you know, I would say that there's 100 counties in the state and probably 90 of those counties would love to have the problems that Johnson County has. Absolutely. And you're correct. You can't stop their growth, but, you know, you want more balanced growth. And what I mean by that is, you know, that the land use plan that was written, it's a good plan. And some of the ideas in there are great ideas as far as lot size and open space and some of those things. But in essence, we're not going to stop growing. You know, the secret's out. This is a great county to live in. I've been here all my life. And, you know, I was here when it won't many people here, but then the secret got out and, you know, they're still going to come because they want a great place to live. This is a great place to live. They want a good education. We've got great schools. They want enhancements all across the board. And even though I'm from Kenley, which is not 
originally in Pine Level was not heavily developed. I like being able to stay in the county to go do things that in the past I had to go somewhere else to go do. So th that part of the growth is great, but trying to balance that growth with economic development, responsible economic development will help, but we're not going to stop it. Right. So what specifically did you like about the land use plan and what did you not like about it? Specifically, I just alluded to a couple of them and if, I encourage everybody to read it. It's the thing where, you, you know, they're talking about having more sizable lots, talking about having more open space uh, on those. The, the negative thing for me is we don't have any protocol set to enforce the land use plan yet. It was adopted, but we need some kind of plan of how we're going, you know, enact the plan. Do you think we need more zoning levels, more different types of zoning than what we have now? No. Okay. Well, I, I say that because if we can use the ones we have now and be strict about the ones we have now, it's like putting more rules or something when you're not going by the set of rules you already have. So let's, let's work on that and let's get that right before we start trying to add any more, what I want to call red tape to the situation. So what do you think the county needs to do? The county's basically out of water capacity and is only providing water by buying it from seven other places. What do you think the county needs to do about the water shortage? Yeah, I think part of that could be a regional approach to some of our sister counties that don't have the good, bad issues we do. And can we regionalize that and use some of what they have, and, and I'm not talking about as far as the news, but maybe the Cape Fear, which has a tremendous amount of capacity that's not being tapped into. Can we explore those options and try to, and, and not to overload the county with the growth, but have a method to, if you have something substantial that comes to the county, it's going to be great for the county that you can let that, that development come. Do we need to raise the water rates to be able to pay for this infrastructure increase we're going to need to be able to provide our own water so we don't have to go buy water from everywhere else. I think we will have to do, do a study and see, you know, what, what would be the effect on the rate and then get impact in, input from the public because it's going to be a strain. Any, obviously, you know, now any increase in anything is hurtful as much as inflation has increased the prices of everything you think of. So I think that would be a good thing to see what rate you know, what will we need? And then what does the public, what can they accept? Okay. Have family law questions? Need guidance to navigate legal challenges? The compassionate team at Breeden Law Office is here to help. Visit us at www.breedenfirm.com for practical advice, resources, or to book a consultation. Remember, when life gets messy, you don't have to face it alone. Well, what about wastewater capacity. The county is basically out of wastewater capacity. We are building a brand new wastewater treatment facility that is almost finished at the Johns County landfill on Highway 210 outside of Smithfield, but it's going to be almost at capacity when it opens. So what's your plan with that? Yeah, it goes back to a regional approach again. Can we discharge in other places other than what we're discharging now? And also, not only is that an issue, but it's also where you still got some of these small towns that have their own wastewater treatment. And their gain, the ages and the amount of people that can maintain those is becoming a burden. And does, you know, how do we approach that? Do we step in and offer that assistance we had before 
to some of these other towns that lets us make sure that the quality of the drinking water and the sewer is correct and needs to be what it is. Well, and Clayton's got a brand new one that yeah. is about to come online. And I mean, you think we should maybe get Clayton to let the county use some of theirs? I don't know if they will. Yeah. I mean, but theirs is going to be really nice. Well, I think Clayton's issue is, you know, you got Griffles and you got Noma Nordis there. And they're going, you know, and that may stem some more development that they're probably going to need within, you know, their city limits. So I think it'll be hard to approach that and take it away from them when you have those two major employees, employers in the county already relying on that system. Right. Do you believe the county commissioners currently have been taking the position that what limited capacity they have needs to be saved for industrial and they have not been allotting as much of it to residential in the last 12 or 24 months. Do you yeah. agree with that? Yeah, I think that's a good plan because it hopefully if you have the industrial growth, it creates more jobs, creates more opportunities within the county. And then as we have plans and we come forward and make the problems we got better, then the residential park can catch up. Okay. Now, this land use plan also attempts to push the density towards the towns and into their sort of extraterritorial jurisdictions. Do you think that's a good idea? And is it fair to the towns, given that it is almost impossible for a town to annex somebody in North Carolina now without having the people being annexed vote for it? I think it's a good idea, but it's not very plausible. Okay. And it's going to be a strain on especially the smaller towns. And like you said, without that, being able to annex and provide those services that the resources from the county are going to have to provide. And that's just another strain on the county. And working with those towns, they're staffed enough now to maintain what they got. So what's going to be the effect of if we push more residential growth to them? And what's the market dictate? Is it dictating that it goes towards more of small towns? That will help the small towns in one way. On another side, it would be a detriment. Well, and you live in Pine Level. And, and when I was on the economic development board with Chris Johnson from 2020 to 2022, you know, Pine Level was one of the things we talked about a lot. At the time, Pine Level was going, and they may still have it, a moratorium on giving new lots because they had approved so many lots they weren't sure what they were going to do with their water. They weren't sure what they were going to do with their wastewater. They weren't going to sure what they were going to do with their police. I don't know. Is Pine Level still have a moratorium on new lots? That was about two years ago when I was on that board. Not sure, to be honest with you. I live right outside the ATJ. Okay, I got you. <laughs> but you're exactly right. And, and I say Pine Level and Princeton both, those towns being so close, they're on the verge of what could be you know, a lot of development in that area as as 70s upgraded to I-42. And then you have that access with the new project on I-40, a quicker way to get across, you know, to right. Wake County or other places in Johnson County as well. But there's going to have to be some plans. And I think the county can work with the towns and work with them to try to come up with a, a plan that helps them. Right. Well, what? I live in the Cleveland community and all politics is local. And the exit here off of Cleveland School Road is going to be done this year. And so now all of a sudden Cleveland School Road, which has been largely a residential road, is going to become a commercial road. And the commissioners have already, whether the people listen to this or not, realize it, they have made the entirety of Cleveland School Road just about commercial. And that's going to change the complexion of Cleveland School Road, but it's also going to have, an, you know, it's going to change that complexion. So what can the county do to not completely lose the hometown feel of the Cleveland community. 
Yeah, and, and the other part of that is I know DOT has a project also to widen Cleveland School Road, basically from I-40 to Barbara Mill Road. Okay. And, and some of that, and I don't, I haven't, it's a developing project. I don't know if it's going to be more of a smart street type project or it's going to be something like 42 from Flowers Plantation up to Clayton. Right. You know, or some semblance of that. Those type of projects help because they help control traffic, help slow it down, help make it safer. And as far as community feel, that's you got a large residential portion out there, but to support that residential, you're going to have some industrial growth. Right. And, and it's going to have to be, and, and with Cleveland not being incorporated, it's got to be a balance and the county has to step in and listen to the concerns of the citizens of what they want and take that into account because that's going to be important. Well, I feel a little bit like Cleveland is like Charlotte. We pay a lot in out here in the Cleveland community. Don't know how much we get back. Most of the school funding that's above the basic goes to the schools on the I-95 corridor, and they don't really come back out into the Cleveland community. But one thing the county has talked about doing is building a park here at Polenta and Matthews Road. There's 80 acres there, and there's 13 acres across the street. And I was involved at the very beginning of that. I, as people have listened to this podcast, I was on the very first call with Rick Hester when him and I in his office called the lady that owned the land because she wanted to give 13 acres that was, you know, to the county, wasn't level, and it had a lot of stumps on it, and we weren't sure what we could do with it. And we knew she owned the 80 acres across the street, and we called and said, would you be willing to sell us that 80 acres? And eventually she did. And we're very fortunate that at Denton Lee and Michael Knott, some citizens bought that land and held it until the county bought it from them. And so now we, we have a plan for the Cleveland Community Park. But have you seen that plan? Yeah. And I actually went and met with Adrian O'Neill. Great group of people that work there. And they're doing a great job because they're looking for grants and trying to get some of, the, some of that money brought into the county so they can do some planning for the parks. And, and, you know, I go to Wake County a lot for work, and it's always been a thing where Wake County has a lot of parks and a lot of amenities that all the folks that live there can enjoy. And that's one of the things that I think Johnson County is lacking. So the part we're talking about, I just hope that's the number one, and that's a start because we need them more across. We got Howe Woods down in what I call the low ground area, but it's a gym that a lot of people don't know about. Right. But we need amenities for people. And that's, if you do it, I, I know that Adrian them did a survey. The first thing that comes up is parks right. and trails and, and those type of amenities that they can take their kids to, go, right. do, go play ball, go do whatever. And so I'm very excited about the idea about the parks. So the question is, how to pay for the parks. The Cleveland Community Park projects to cost 30 to $50 million. Depends on which, which right. option you choose. Which option you choose. <laughs> and that's going to include the redevelopment of the land that the Greater Cleveland Athletic Association uses behind the old Cleveland School and that gym, which I think under all the plans gets torn down. Right. That gym dates back to the 50s and has got, you know, it's got we got some flooding issues and, and it, the bathrooms don't work and the court's not even a regulation size. Not, it's not, you know, now regulation size courts are 94 feet. It's not. So where does the Cleveland community get 30 to 50 million to build the park? I think some of that is obviously a bond referendum could address that. And that puts it in what I call the, the people's hands to decide if that's what they want. And I think they've been very successful in Wake County. With, with those type bonds. I don't think there's been one that's failed. Correct. That was in the Fuqua area, I, right. I believe. 
And so I think that would be a method to, but my personal concern is what is the fastest method that we can get it done? Right. Because it's a need and it's just, and as I said before, it's a start. We need to have other plans across the county, not, you know, all across the county that address some of these concerns. Well, and I, I know they could use a park and I know they could use some more park stuff up in the Archer's Lodge community yep. around Corinth Holders High School. Like the Cleveland community is not unique in that it could, you know, it has 30 something thousand people and it's unincorporated and it's not going to incorporate. And, and the Cleveland citizens are not paying taxes for a park. Like the, most towns, it's seven cents of their tax rates yep. are going towards parks and rec and Smithfield built you know, a very nice park there and Shrack and Clayton has several very nice parks. And those citizens are paying for those as part of their town taxes. Right. We don't pay that out here. But at one point there was a proposal to do a four cent special district tax, like a fire tax for the Cleveland community that would be for the Macklemore Fire District to help pay for this park. It was about four or five years ago. And the commissioners voted it down. But some of them seem to be maybe open to it coming back as a possibility now that we have a plan. Yeah, and that's a possibility as well. But I also look at it as it's not just a Cleveland park. Right. It's, it's a com- county park. That's true. So it, I think it's 30 minutes to here from my house. And, you know, I love to enjoy the park here. I mean, I would drive that to get Right. There. So I don't think it's just isolated to the Cleveland community. They're, maybe they're the biggest part of it, obviously. But I think the rest of the county benefits from it too, or a significant portion of the county benefits from it. Well, how about putting say two cents of whatever the county tax rate is in the budget for parks around the county. You know, we could give some back to the towns and we could give some to all areas of the county. Like just actually adding a line item to build parks. We say do in Wake County, we've never really done that in Johnston. Would you support that? Yeah, I just think you have to see what effect it has on the other resources in the county. What does, do we have anything that goes lacking? And I'm really concerned about, you know, our law enforcement, fire, EMS, and make sure none of those services are affected. But I think it's a conversation to be had. Well, and it's going to be interesting. I hope this park comes to fruition sooner rather than later. You know, the current plan is they've got some grants to be able to put in the underground drainage, the parking lot, Mm -hmm. and I think maybe the retention pond. But that's still a three-year plan from today based on what Adrian O'Neill said on an earlier version of the Best of Johnson County podcast. But I'd like, you know, we got the Greater Cleveland Athletic Association, and I was on the board of it until recently for nine years, serving over 3,000 kids every year. And it just keeps to get more and more. And, we, you know, they need more space for these kids to play. And we need places for adults to recreate. We don't have any adult recreation in Johnston County. I'm sure you probably support some of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you talked about the Cleveland area and the recreation, but like I said, it will benefit the whole county. And I think we lose sight of that a little bit because what causes here, you know, we're not going to be able to use it, but absolutely you can use it. But anything that, you know, it's obvious that people are in favor of those amenities. And I think the county really needs to look at that and how can we fast accelerate that to make it happen sooner than later because I, I like to enjoy it right. while I can as well. Right. And you have people moving here every day and, and right. they're going to want those same amenities. Right. So I guess as we start to wrap this up, what are your top two or three goals if you were elected to the Johnston County Commissioners for your first four-year term? 
I, I think the first thing is to serve with honor and dignity. That's that's number one for me. And to be civil in all the conversation we have, be it with, with citizens, be it within the board, be it other boards in the county. Uh, I think that's something that we need now. And the other thing is to enhance, to be a part of the, the fire department situation where we're talking about the fire matrix and the one, one tax for the county. And also be involved in the infrastructure. That's very important for everybody in the county and also to maintain our quality of life here. All right. And the last question we ask everybody on this podcast is, what do you love most about Johnston County? I love the small town feel for where I live. But also there's another part that I mentioned earlier is, is going to other parts of the county that's more diverse. I really enjoyed when I worked with DOT, meeting people from all, all across the nation. And I always like to ask questions, what brought you to Johnson County? And, and like I said, the secret's out and it's a great place to live. It's a great place to live, work, and we're working on a part, so we have a great place to play. So well, I hope so too. So if people want to reach out to you and learn more about your campaign, how can they do that? Yeah, the best way is on Facebook, Tim Little. Just search that for Johnson County Commissioner. Okay. And it'll take you to my page. And if you get my personal page, there's a link to that page as well. Okay. Uh, that's probably the best way. And there's information on it for you. You can call me, you can email me. I'd be glad to talk. And, you know, I've made a commitment. If any group asks me to come talk, I gladly will. Because at the end, I will represent, if elected, all citizens of the county, not just one group. All right. That sounds good. So anyway, so Tim Little is going to be on the March 5th Republican primary ballot. He is running against Bill Stovall, who will be on next week on this podcast. You can listen to both of them and decide who you want to vote for if you happen to be a Republican and you're going to vote in the county commissioner primary on March the 5th. Anyway, if you would be so kind, if you're listening to this podcast, to like, follow, or subscribe this podcast wherever you're seeing it, whether it be on YouTube, Facebook, Apple, Spotify, so that you'll be aware of future episodes of the Best of Johnson County podcast. That would be much appreciated to us. You don't want to miss out. New episodes are posted every Monday, and we have lots of great guests that have already been on and that are going to be on in the future. And so if you love Johnson County as much as I do, you should definitely keep following this podcast. If you would also be so kind as to give us a five-star review down at the bottom, five-star podcast ratings help with our visibility that will show this podcast to other people in and around Johnston County that might be interested in the Best of Johnston County podcast and the guests and the citizens that we have on our podcast. That would be great. And until next time, I'm your host, Jonathan Breeden. Thanks a lot. That's the end of today's episode of Best of Johnston County, a show brought to you by the trusted team at Breeden Law Office. We thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to sharing more interesting facets of this community next week. Every story, every viewpoint adds another thread to the rich tapestry of Johnston County. If the legal aspects highlighted raise some questions, help is just around the corner at www.breedenfirm.com.